Welcome to the Speak Pack Podcast, where high-performing speakers and the producers who hire them merge to give you the insider secrets to the lucrative speaking industry. Antonia Rose, your podcast host and celebrated speaker agent, unveils insider success strategies. Discover a nexus of thought leaders and bookers maximizing your potential in each and every episode. Your ticket to ultimate speaking success begins right here. Catch the transformative insights waiting for you on the Speak Packed podcast, hosted by the industry powerhouse herself, Antoniette Rose. Welcome back to Speak Packed. I'm so happy that you are here with us today. And you are in for a treat. I have the fun, the funny, the amazing Latoya Collins-Jones with me. And she's going to share a bit of her journey. Her area of expertise is leadership development, and she's very, very good at it. But what I'm most intrigued about is the way that she has translated that to connect with audiences that want her message and how she really got got out there and became in demand and became that speaker that many of we listeners, right? We're all high achievers here, but we don't always know how to crack that code to get those higher level speaking engagements. So that's a bit of what we're going to be talking about today. And I'll be sharing more depths of LaToya as we go along. But without further ado, welcome LaToya. Thank you for having me. I'm so, so, so excited to be here, Antoniette. And like, it's going to be great. Uh, I love sharing stories, telling stories. So I know today's going to be a blast. Yes, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Start off, let's start off with what got you interested in leadership Mm -hmm. to begin with? And what is your end goal? What is the main message that you want to get across? And to who? Yeah. Uh, how I got into leadership and culture is, uh, I'll say over the, what is it over the river and through the woods, Woods. uh, it's probably the best way, uh, to go from that. Like I've been an entrepreneur, I've been in corporate, went back to being a full-time entrepreneur, back to corporate, uh, back to full-time entrepreneur. So I've had like a interesting journey. Um, and I've lived many lives. Um, I've kind of now coined myself like the Renaissance woman, right? Like I've been across all the things. Um, but one thing that I know that reigns true, it didn't matter what industry I was in. It didn't matter what capacity I was serving, whether that's a leader or a volunteer or growing, um, leadership always mattered, right? And leadership drives culture. And the reason why I said yes to leadership, if you were to probably even ask me a year ago, I was cool in my corporate executive job, right? Like that was my life. Um, And I enjoyed it, but there was a gap. And the way that work is changing and evolving, most companies can't keep up with. Um, It is moving at an astronomical rate with technology expediting it, right? And we've seen that uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I was like, man, like people are missing the forest through the trees with this. If you, I actually, I said this this morning on a, on another uh, interview, I said, if show me a bankrupt company, I will show you a bankrupt leader, Mm. right? Because that's really where it is. Leadership permeates through every single aspect of our lives, 
whether we want to believe it or not. Find somebody who's disgruntled, like they probably possibly don't have a great leader. It leaks into every part of our lives, right? And I've been on both sides. I've had a not so great leader and I've had a great leader. And it changes how you show up when you get home from work, right? How you drive home. Like, (laughs) do you have the energy to hang out with your friends? Like it, leadership impacts more than nine to five. And, Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. And do, when you wake up in the morning, do you, uh, I yeah. got to go there or yep. great. Yeah. I've got another day of some good stuff. Absolutely. Love that. So what differentiates culture versus mm-hmm. high performing culture, which is your specialty? Yeah. Um, so I kind of think of this way. Um, high performance culture is intentional. You have a culture, whether you want one or not. I like to believe that culture, um, you're, you build your culture due to microtransactions day to day. Like a lot of people think that you can slap a vision statement and a mission statement on a website and that magically becomes your culture. It doesn't, right? Like your culture is formed day after day after day, transaction after transaction. And over time, what is good or bad will grow. And what amplifies is really how you build it. And so you have culture and sometimes it just happens. High-performing culture is intentional. You have to be intentional in building the culture that you want for your organization. And so that's why I separate the two. Um, I also believe high-performance culture starts at leadership. I don't start with the people. I start with the leaders. Mm. And I think that that's really important. Ah, love that. Okay, so you you developed Mm -hmm. these strategies Mm -hmm. and this approach Mm -hmm. through... Working in corporations with good leaders and not so good leaders, and then actually having to become your own leader, right, as an entrepreneur. At what point did you say, hmm, I've got something here that I might be able to to help impact other people. I'm going to get my voice out there. Was it was it that or was it more, hey, more people need to know I exist to come to to come to me? (laughs) Like what what was that that magic moment where you're like, I'm going to I'm going to get my voice out there? Um. I think it actually, honestly, I think part of it started when I was in corporate um, because I started to become in demand internally, right? So we would say, hey, they've got this event internally. I've got team meetings. I've got a leadership program. And so I started to get requested internally a ton um, because I was an exec, I but I didn't show up probably as most executives did, um, cause I worked for a very large tech company. Um, and as a result of that, like I just showed up as me. And I think that it started to provide a little bit of fresh air and became, I became more in demand that way. The aha moment for me was sometimes like in the middle of me presenting or chatting with people or doing these, you know, town halls and Q and A's. Um, I would get a ping on the side and somebody would be like, yo, Like, I've been here X amount of years, and this is the most inspired I've been to a leader. You need to write a book, right? And I'd be like, well, uh, not there yet. Uh, But that's kind of where it started. Um, And the more that I did it, the more I built my confidence around um, sharing what I had. And I think it's it's not mine. It's, It's not mine to have. It's mine to give. And I think that it's a gift. And that is kind of where I think for me, the the mindset shifted. That's beautiful. It's not mine to have, it's mine to give. And that really translates 
when you're on stage mm-hmm. and you're sharing your message. It's not my message to have. It's my message to give. Mm-hmm. And if you could just make that little bit of switch where it's not about you and all the things that you have to offer and all the things that you can impart in your gloriousness, right? It's about the person sitting in the audience. Absolutely. Waiting for that one little piece that they're just, they're missing, mm-hmm. right? And and that can make all the difference 100%. for them. If, and they can feel it. I love this line of yours because I see that you've done this in your profession and I can only imagine you do this <laughs> on the stage. And if more people did this, uh, uh, what is what is a talk? It's communicating. It's connecting. Yep. And yep. if you're not connecting, you're, it's, you're really just kind of wasting everybody's time. Your your time, of course, and their time. So one thing that you say is you you talk you talk about your commitment to authenticity. Mm-hmm. How has that approach? How has that influenced your approach to leadership? Like, where's the connection there? And then go a step yeah. further. How does that translate when you're communicating that from a stage? <laughs> yeah, I so I think my authenticity has been my superpower, right? I think it's one of the reasons why I started to become more in demand um, internally, like and even kind of just pulling back a second from one of the things that you said, where it's not about me, it's about them. Typically, I would go into a talk and they say I have an hour. I said, I'm not talking more than 25 minutes. I'm going to do 35 minutes of Q&A. Ah. Be- I don't make the assumption that I know what they want to hear. And so when I do that, yeah, there, you know, sometimes there are times where I got to do the commercial, right? <laughs> that was part of the, cor- the corporate spiel, right? I got to come in. I've got to do the pieces of the commercial. I'm going to give it to them in a way that's authentic to me. But then I'm going to wait and I'm going to let them ask me questions. And every single time that way I knew. Now, how does this translate over into authenticity and into leadership? I think, um, well, I think there's a couple of things. Um, as we look at four generations in the workforce, right? You've got boomers, Xers, millennials, Gen Zers. Millennials and Gen Zers, most of us know either the rising of technology or only technology, which means we've seen and know and understand that a lot of what we see is out there, right? And we know and understand their highlight reels. And what I have found is, especially in leadership, is this up and coming workforce or those who are rising are looking for authenticity. They absolutely know when you're reading. Absolutely, right? Like the amount of consumption, like my, I have a 15 year old, right? The amount of consumption and even myself that I consume in video format, right? Whether that's YouTube, uh, a lot of YouTube, right? I consume a lot of content on YouTube, almost half and half to what I do with TV. I know when somebody's reading. And so you lose and disconnect from the audience. And so how I started doing is I just showed up as myself. I don't code switch. For those of you all who don't know what code switching is, um, I'm actually going to demonstrate what code switch is. So right now I'm talking in my tone. We're chatting. We're having a good time. I may use my hands because that's just how I roll. Like, I don't know how not to talk with my hands at times when I get really excited, you know, and I may say, hey, I'm going to keep it 100, which means I'm going to keep it real with you. Right. And so this is actually how I talk. But when people code switch, I may go in and I may say, OK, so right now what I really want to tell you is the real part about leadership. Right. And so they're 
the words I use, the vernacular that I use, I start translating in my head too much. And so sometimes it's easier for me to give it to you how it naturally and authentically comes out and translate after the fact than for me to try to go in and morph into something I'm not. Because when I show up and I'm somebody I am actually not, that's who you expect. That's who you keep. If you and I were to engage with each other and you knew exactly who I was when you asked me to come on, right? If you saw something else different and then I came in and be like, yo, let me tell you what's up, right? You'd be like, whoa, (laughs) that's not, but I am who I, right? And so I think that that becomes um, a big piece of it. Um, I've learned over time to elevate my authenticity. That's one of the things I've learned from my coaches because I was like, yo, I'm not wearing a business suit. Right. She was like, okay, cool. You can still wear your kicks. I love sneakers. Right. She's like, still wear your kicks, but learn how to elevate your look, throw on a blazer. Right. So it's little things that I've kind of evolved over time and and grown in my authenticity. But I am my best self and I give my audience my best self when I'm when I'm leaning into who I am. That is so key. I I I really (laughs) want our people who are here with us to really get that. I definitely don't want to gloss over that because I think so often we try to fit the role mm-hmm. and that's the last thing the public wants, right? 100%. Especially after everything that we all went through together as as a global community. 100%. We want real. Yes. And one of the things that I train my speakers right up front um, and it's always like this massive rhema, right? This massive revelation. And to me, it's just so basic. But it's we're so conditioned to fit into mm-hmm. whatever mold we're, we feel like we're walking into. 100%. So let's say somebody has a, a strong accent. Uh, mm-hmm. There's this one amazing, incredible speaker <laughs> that I that uh, I've had the amazing pleasure to work with. And she had um, something happen to her throat. Mm-hmm. So she's a big, beautiful woman of color. And she's just dynamic and amazing. But she has this this thing that happened to her throat that makes her sound very, almost masculine. Mm-hmm. And um, and she's been accused of not being a woman, you know, and she's all yeah. woman and all the things. And so I just, I said to her, the face the elephant in the room. You go out yep. there, you be you, and you say, yep. and I bet some of you are thinking I'm a man, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I love it, and right? And just face it right on. Instead yep. of trying to apologize for it or hide it, there's an Asian woman that I've had the pleasure to work with, and she was always so self-conscious that her, her English wasn't perfect. And I said, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. Like, that is you work because she did Asian medicine. So why would I want an American telling me about <laughs> Asian medicine? Right. Use right. It. <laughs> right. Use it. So I love that. So code switching, everybody write that one down and, <laughs> and understand that people want you. Like mm-hmm. Latoya has a message. Antoniette has a message. You have a message. I cannot deliver Latoya's message because yep. it's all her. I can yep. say the same exact words and they're not going to translate the way that she's going to bring them across across own you because it's part of your brand and it's part of your message no excuses and actually do it bigger right if I don't know if you've got a scar on your face or whatever make it a part of your brand um there's a there one last story and then I want to get back no you're good you're good 
You're good. I love it. <laughs> There's a, a man that I get to represent, and he was a, a high-level executive for many years, hated it, walked away, picked up a paintbrush, and started painting houses. He had never painted a house in his Whoa, life. Whoa, <laughs> that's, that's different. <laughs> so I've encouraged him to actually wear, at least come out on the stage with a with a painted up blazer or, you know, whatever, and just play with it. Um, yeah. And actually his whole brand is now centered around, he's a change management expert and, you know, painting your life, paint, being the yeah. artist of your own life. So work your uniqueness into yeah. your brand. Do not try to hide it because then we're all vanilla who, you know, vanilla. Yeah. Not like I'll, I'll translate it for you. If we got any, you know, embrace your swag. That's what we say. Right? Ooh, embrace your swag. Right. Like they're only you, only you can be you. Right. And, and that's each of our life experiences. And even when you were talking, it made me think about my 15 year old daughter. I can tell her something. My best friend will tell her the same thing. And all of a sudden it's an epiphany. And I'm like, oh my God, I've said this like 12 times. Right. So it, it is sometimes sometimes it's the message and sometimes it's the messenger yeah. and realizing, you know, we're, we may be the messenger um, to that one person. Like and that's that's the other thing that I try to make sure I remember is like I don't care if it's one. If I walk into a room and I'm one person shows up, I'm going to give that one person the same amount that I would give five thousand. Mm. It doesn't matter. Like because okay. even in a room of five thousand. I recognize I may not be the messenger or have the message for all 5,000 people, but I could have it for one. And I believe that there's power in understanding that. So that's a perfect bridge to my next question then, <laughs> Latoya. So you're, you're a high-level professional. You're doing mm -hmm. your thing. How? And then you decide you want to get your voice out there. You want to get your message out there. Possibly you attract some more clients, mm -hmm. whatever your reasonings were. Uh -huh. well, how'd you get those first few stages when nobody really knew you quite yet? Uh, do it afraid. <laughs> <laughs> do it afraid. I think do it afraid. I, you know, it's, it's been a very interesting journey because, you know, when I worked for such a large company with such a very large brand that is recognizable, if you find me on LinkedIn, you'll know what company I'm talking about. Um, and so it became very easy to rely on the brand because I was attached to the brand, right? Um, and then I was like, oh no, like I don't have this engine behind me. I like, you know, like maybe just a smidge of my identity had gotten wrapped into being like a corporate exec at this level with a company that's, you know, Fortune 100 company. Um, so I have learned and am still learning to show up afraid, right? Like, you know, I do these lives every Tuesday. AMA with LCJ and on a good day, you know, on a good day, you know, I'm crushing it. I got people talking on another day. I know I see people watching live, but it is crickets in that bad boy. Like they're just not engaging. I know they're watching. They're just lurking. Right. Um, and I still have to do it and I still have to deliver. And I think over time you put the repetitions in, it's going to pay, like pay off. And then my goal every single time I show up is kind of, James Clear, 1% better, uh, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, how can I get 1% better from last week to this week? How can I prep the show to get 1% better from week over week? Um, and I show up when I feel like it. I show up when I don't feel like it. And I show up even if I'm afraid, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that, to me, 
um, has really helped a ton. That goes back to authenticity, right? Yep. At, if we wait for everything to be perfect, it will never happen. It never happen. <laughs> and it won't be well received. Scrappy Correct. is the new perfect. People just want what they can relate to. And nobody's really relating to perfection anymore. We don't trust polished. <laughs> no. We see even some of the big influencers now yep. who have the deepest pockets for the most polished Yep. Promotions. And it looks like they pulled out their cell phone and did that. And it's by design. They absolutely did. <laughs> seeing it. Right. They're seeing yep. it. So tell me how you weave, because you're an, you're masterful at st- storytelling. Thank you. Did this, was that, did that come naturally or did, was that a skill that you developed or a little bit of both? Um, I think it's a little bit of both. The funny, funny, true story. Um, I, I, just to get a little bit about, so I'm, I'm Southern, right? So like born in Texas, but I was raised, my dad's in the Marine Corps, raised in the Bible Belt, right? So like Kansas City, Oklahoma City, we landed in New Orleans. Um, and so when I was younger, like they used to, like our churches have to do Easter speeches (laughs) and I hated these things. And like, what was so crazy is it didn't matter if we were at our home church in Oklahoma City or we knew we were going to Easter in East, like spending Easter with my grandma in East Texas, she would mail us our Easter speeches. And then like me and my sister, we like on the eight hour trip, like from either Kansas City or Oklahoma, wherever we were trying to memorize our Easter speeches. And I hated it. I hated public speaking, real talk. Um, But what shifted for me and what, how I learned storytelling, I think there's two things. One, my dad is my mentor. He's my hero. Um, and he's an amazing teacher. And so he always, you know, sometimes would teach in analogies, right? Like he would mm. tell these stories or give examples. And so I think some of it I just naturally learned um, from him, right? Like, which is just like, you know, as he's breaking down certain things, because he's, you know, he was a Marine and he trained Marines, He, you know. And so a lot of that came, I think, from naturally from my dad. I think um, over time, um, I am a student of the craft. So when I talked about watching YouTube a lot, um, a lot of it is is I learn all these different ways of storytelling, right? So like I've watched Casey Neistat, Peter McKinnon, you know, I watch, you know, uh, Cal Newton, who has he just gets up there and just talks like he's just on a podcast, just delivering information, right? And, I, and so I study all these different storytellers. And then I think over time, you kind of start to find your voice in all of it. And I don't allow it to um, alter, but I think it gives me information to really understand how people tell stories and relate um, across all of these different genres and cultures and like you name it. I'm, I'm a connoisseur of culture. Like that is one of my favorite things to do is documentaries. And so... Uh, I think I fell in love with storytelling and then it kind of just started to evolve over time. Yeah, that's a really good point, right? It's it's people get so literal when they want to try to check off all the boxes. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm being diversified, I'm being inclusive, whatever yep. whatever it might be. But really a story bust past all the all of those barriers, right? It if does. I were to share with you some of my some of my journey and connect with you heart to heart, mm-hmm. doesn't matter that I was born in L.A. 
<laughs> and not in the South, right? And yeah. and that I grew up in an entirely different culture. You're we're connecting heart to heart. And that's something yep. you've you've really perfected. And I love the fact that it wasn't just something you were born with. You became a, you you did it scared, and then you became a student mm-hmm. of that. And and really we perfect by doing. Yep. You can study all you want. I think that you should always study. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm a nerd just like you, Latoya. <laughs> I love it. Um, but really where it where it begins to get into our cells and it becomes not, it becomes m- more natural, right, yeah. is when we do it. So I love that you said do it scared. And I love that you did it scared because now think about the lives that you impact oh. that would never... N- never get touched in the way that you touch them through these experiences that they get I will say two things because as you were talking made me think about something so one is I used to get in trouble in school for talking too much all the time right like and I think for a long time me getting in trouble for talking too much I thought talking was like too much was a bad thing right it just like I was the literally name my mom will tell you like kindergarten probably through fifth grade my name was on the board every day and it was likely because I was talking too much that's just that's kind of what it is so I've always been a talker but I think the second piece of that second piece of that puzzle was you know when I'm when you're a corporate executive in a tech company doing diversity and inclusion work I have to find a way to walk into a room and compel people to really understand and examine their hearts and how they function as an organization And so it does come back to, you know, there are plenty of times I walked in the room and I'm the only person who looks like me. And then I've, and then you slap in VP of DNI on top of it. They're like, oh snap, she's about to come in and bang heads. I don't. I come in and I like, we just have really honest, candid, open conversations. I talk more about culture. I talk more about leadership because if you're a good leader and you're building a great culture, I don't have to talk to you about diversity and inclusion. Mm. Because you know that in order to build a great team, you've got to have diverse. You got to have a diverse team. You've right. got to be inclusive of ideas in order to be innovative and, and and like win, right? So it's. I think that that also really forced me. Um, I think it. I don't say it forced me. It helped me hone that skill in a little bit tighter. Ah, so so good. Okay, when you had your first major door open to you for a speaking engagement that was outside of the corporation, this was yep. just Latoya. Yep. How did how did you get that? Did they come to you or did you knock on a bunch of doors? How'd you get that first door to open for you? I typically um, so there's a couple of doors I say like. Actually, I'm a twofold. OK, because um, it's it's both ways um, for a long time. I'm going to use like my church analogy first and then I'm going to use like a real analogy because I think they're both really good for prior to covid Four to five years, I served behind the camera. I was the tech person of mm. my church. Like all things technical, the screens, the everything you could possibly think of behind the scenes, I led that team as a lead volunteer. I was a lead at the church. That's what I did. COVID hits. I also have a baby. So like I'm out like almost an entire two years. And then I come back and they're like, hey, we actually want to try you in front of the camera. Because I was doing like announcements. Sometimes if we didn't have somebody to do announcements, I would hop in, hop in front of the camera, record the announcements because when we were doing the video and they're like, hey, we actually want to try you here. And I think 
the more I did that, they were like, oh, man, you're really good. And then I went from, you know, hosting to doing transitions at church to like I teach you. I typically teach our kids once a month. Um, I go in and I, I do the message there. And so I think sometimes it was just being in the right place at the right time and showing and understanding. I probably am a live producer's dream because I know what it's like to be on the other side. Right. If we go to the professional world, I think a lot of times I said yes it didn't matter what I did. Like someone would say, hey, we really want you to come here. I would just say yes. And out in the community, right? Like, oh, well, you know, like we can't pay you. I'd be like, all right, cool. Like, yes. And so I just started saying yes as much as possible. And I think over time, that's that's really kind of how. And, and sometimes that first yes did come through me being attached to the company. But then the more I kind of, made a name for myself, it became attached to me. And that's kind of how I think a lot of it um, went went through. I was like, wait, you want me? Like, I was <laughs> like, yo, because like sometimes you have to, disc- I had to, you know, disclaim, like, look, I will show up, but I can't show up under this umbrella of the company I'm working for. I've got to show up as like me. You do know that, right? Like I had to like a little bit of imposter showed up, right? Like you do know that I'm showing up as me, not as like, said executive of the person they'd be like no yeah that's exactly what we want I was like all right cool now we now we're in business and so um I think it it started saying I just started saying yes to everything almost if it made sense I just said yes and and that's how it kind of started brilliant because I so many speakers that I come across especially when they get a little big for their britches (laughs) (laughs) um if if it's not a paid talk I'm not going to do it and my Mm -hmm philosophy is every talk is a paid talk done right every talk is a paid talk yes it pays in so many different dividends but always monetary as well done yep. right yep. so the host may give me a fifteen thousand dollar check awesome that's great yep. but the audience especially if i attracted them in the right way and the ones who've been laying awake at night waiting for my solutions hitch themselves to me go to those next levels yep that could that could really wind up being a fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar speaking engagement when all is said and done. Yep. Over time. So that that attitude I love in you. It's 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 an abundant attitude versus a scarcity attitude. Yeah, I mean, everybody had like I think I heard I was watching something. I think Gary V's like speaking thing. Like I think his I think his riders like Five hundred thousand dollars is ridiculous, right? But he didn't start there, right? Right, and and so I I do I treat every opportunity as if it is a half a million dollars, ah, because yeah. if you don't know, you just you just don't know, and and I think, you know, um, if they can't pay me, I consider it a service until those who can do, mm. right. And so it kind of it'll pay off one way or another is 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 really my mindset about it. Um, and you get reps in either way. Right. Like, right. Yeah. And more more times than not, there's somebody in that audience who sees yep. you and they're like, "Ooh, I want you to come. Correct. Speak of my thing. And then you Correct. get the pay, you get you get the paycheck from the host. Right. But Correct. there's more than that one pillar. Um, and we always leave so much money on the table when we don't see that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. 
money, impact, opportunities, all of that. So, and data. When you're uh, when you're on the stage and you're and you're sharing your stories and you're sharing your humor, which I want to get to the humor in a second, <laughs> you're also seeing what what's making people really engage and what's yes. kind of phasing them out a bit, and you're yep. gathering in invaluable data data you cannot pay for. Correct. Yeah, I think one of the things, um, and I'm pretty sure you can see this as a speaker as well, you know, as a speaking coach. But like, there's nothing worse than sitting and watching somebody like slowly die on the vine of a speaking engagement. Yes, painful. Right, right. <laughs> like it's it's hard to watch because you're like, yo, these are all the data points. This is not going well. People are not laughing at your jokes, right? And they don't know how to pivot because they haven't put enough reps in, right? Or they're stuck, right? And so I, I do think, you know, a, a lot of that does kind of help over over time for sure. I like the way you said reps. So reps meaning it's a muscle. Yeah, you got to. You got to put them in. Like there, look, there are times my my jokes land. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. It's cool. It's hit or miss. Um, but as I've gotten better, I've learned to read the room exceptionally well. So did that, Latoya? Did that come much like the storytelling came, where you just started doing it scared, and then you became a student? And you just started doing it, or were you naturally fun and funny from the get go? I am a goofball. Like my parents will tell <laughs> That's why you're getting into that one. I am naturally an entertainer, class clown. Um, I, I will say, though, this is what I will say. I think the evolution of my humor has gone, gone quite like it's different, right? So, um, I now like I'll give you an example like we get maybe like a script or something for church like we're doing like hosting segments and I may be able to read through something and know and know where I can hit a punchline because I know that audience right and I'm able to land those jokes right Um, and sometimes they come uh, some of them are not actually if I'm being quite honest I'd say 60% of my jokes are not land they're not written. Um, they pretty just much kind of happen in the moment. They happen in the moment. Like I'll, I'll give you a great example. This is why it's important to know your audience. This is why as a speaker, this is important to know your audience. I'm speaking at Afrotech. Afrotech is one of the largest. It's not, if not the largest, uh, premier event for blacks in tech. Okay. I'm talking thousands of people descend upon the city. Uh, it was in Austin these last two years. Um, but I come in and I'm, I'm supposed to be hosting uh, two two ladies, supposed to be doing an interview, whole nine, right? Like, night before, phone blows up, and they're like, hey, one person couldn't get the flight. It's now a fireside chat. And I'm like, okay, cool. I had, like, my, my job was supposed to be interview, ask the questions. Now it's fi- fireside chat. Luckily, I had a rapport with the person I was interviewing. Um, and so her and I started having, you know, talking about different stuff. This is why knowing your audience is important. So we get through, she's talking through about mentorship and the importance of mentorship. And like, she was assigned a mentor and their first lunch, they had to like, they had to set up to where they were going to meet at a strip club. Right. And, um, I'm going somewhere with this. And so I was like, oh man, you don't want the chicken wings. And that joke crushed because in culture, the culture of the room knew that like, there's a running joke that strip clubs have the best chicken wings. Right crushed it. Yeah, I would have never known that. <laughs> right? You would have never known, right? So, but I would have never probably did that audience. I probably wouldn't have landed that joke 
had in another <laughs> another Netting. scenario. Oh. Yeah. And so you got to So anytime you're speaking, try to get to know who you're talking to, Um, you know, maybe do some research. It just so happens like I was I'm a black woman in tech. And so I know I'm very familiar with the culture in the culture. So that that helps a lot, too. (laughs) Good, good rebound from that craziness. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a real mark of a pro as well. If you know your stuff you're confident, you're authentic, and you care about the other people, you know how to read people, then really whatever curveballs can yes. hand they and they come, right? And and especially the bigger the the bigger the speaking engagement, the bigger the yep. curveballs, just roll. Just yep. roll with it. I could see yep. I'd want you I'd want you in the room when craziness was happening. Oh yeah, I love crazy. like there's nothing like good old awkward moments. Like those that's kind of where I lean in. Like if if there's a time where it's like I don't know what's happening or you've got to stretch something, uh that's that's probably one of my favorite spots to be in. So like host hosting is probably one of my favorite things cuz it's always a mixed bag. It's always a mixed bag of goods. If people ask you to come in and host, you're like, okay, uh, thank you for the run of show. I absolutely know none of this is pop. Like something's going to change, right? Uh, so I have fun with it. So as a as a leadership and culture consultant mm-hmm. or business owner, what is your end goal with speaking n- now? And then mm-hmm. where do you want to maybe take that eventually? Yeah. Great question. Um, I would say with leadership and culture, this is this is um, my mindset. Uh, give you like the craziest math equation ever, but it's it's my math equation. We'll just call this the theorem of LCJ. That's why I'm going to make it up. Theorem of call. LCJ. I, okay, I just made it. that up just now. Okay, perfect. <laughs> good run with it. That's good. <laughs> but one plus one equals infinity. One person in one moment has the ability to create infinite possibilities on the other side. That is what I believe about leadership is one plus one equals infinity. There's not a single person that you could come across and say, tell me one person that has changed the course of your life, good or bad. Somebody will be able to tell you a story about one person. Right. And so when I think about leadership and culture, and where I want to go, where I am now is I love coaching. It's like teaching. It's like my, it's my happy place, right? It's coaching and teaching around leadership and culture and the importance of it. Where I want to go long-term is really to shift and change the conversation around leadership and culture in organizations, right? We somehow believe that just because you say a culture is one way is how it actually is. And we have to be intentional in building culture in whatever parts and whatever areas you are in your way around your life, um, in your organization, because if not, you're hoping that the culture is what you say it is. And hope is not a strategy. Mm. Hope isn't a strategy. So you've got to figure those things out. And so uh, my, my hope in all of this is really to change the conversation around leadership and culture. And then I would add one caveat. And the one caveat I have is, is that my ultimate, like my heart is in the middle. I love working with middle leaders, mid-level leaders, because they are the lifeline of any organization. However, they are typically most often neglected. Mm. 
Kind of like Every, a middle child, huh? They are, right? Like, they like you know, even in D&I work, we were like, oh, the frozen middle, the frozen middle. Like, who's spending time there? Because this is, that's typically in a company, most of your headcount sits in the middle of your organization, right? You, you don't have a company of 100 sitting with 50 executives. Most of your headcount sits in the middle. And so I want organizations to really understand that that going from individual contributor to a first-time leader, or maybe you're a first-time leader of leaders, this is where the magic sauce is. This is where companies are made, and this is where they break. And we need to spend time because those are the people who have to make it work because that's how they send their kids to college. Like, they have a lot at stake. And so, like, that's where my heart is, is smack dab in the middle, in the, in the, in the dirt, if you will, like... That's my favorite spot to be is with. with there the was a lot of treasure the right there. I sure hope you guys are <laughs> taking notes because there was so much. Tra- I was not, not writing fast enough. One plus one is infinity. And then you said so many, so many really profound things in there, Latoya, that I'm going to go back and listen to this episode. Because if we can get some of these concepts, then yeah. we can step out of ourselves and really land at a more impactful level. Like we get in our own way. A hundred percent. Perfection is the enemy, right? And just oh, yeah. be it, be real, do it scared. And don't code switch. Was that right? Yeah, no code switching. <laughs> Look, it, yeah, you got you got you gotta be yourself, right? And and I think that even as you elevate, like, which is one of the things my coach taught me is like, I'm not changing. She's like, Well, you're gonna change. You just gotta elevate, right? Even as you elevate, there's layers to each to each of us right and as we go through and we find this next iteration of who we are right it's important to take people along the journey like I took people along the journey I was like yo like I loved corporate until I didn't <laughs> <laughs> and then I take people along the journey with us and I think that there's there are gems hidden in every single one of our stories and so mm-hmm. we can't lose sight of that yes I love talking about leadership I am extremely passionate about leadership and culture which is why I will always like, that's kind of where my, my main thing is. But as much as I love talking about it, I know and recognize like there's still a person behind that. Mm. And that's what I care about. What has speaking done? So you speak to impact, which is amazing. I love that. But obviously <laughs> that's not sustainable. Yes, Unless it's also a bit more tactical and practical, <laughs> right? Yeah. So what main benefits have you gotten out of speaking outside of the impact with regards mm-hmm. to your brand, attracting clients? What what are yeah. the what's the other side of it? Well, I think there's one. I think it's credibility, and credibility yields <laughs> coins. That's yeah. what we'll say. Credibility <laughs> yields coins. You're coming up. You're coming up with them. That's great. <laughs> I love. I love a good alliteration. It's like my favorite thing, right? And so I think over time, like that's that's one of the pieces of the puzzle. Everybody says it, like, oh, I do this thing, and so the more that um, it's why I do the lives, right? Because over time, I'm just building credibility because people do business with who they know they like and they trust. And so for speaking for me has absolutely opened doors for me to build relationships that down the line I can go in from a networking, expanding my network. That's probably one of my favorite things. So I'm like, Oh, actually 
I know somebody who knows somebody or I need that somebody, then I'm able to expand. Right. Mm. Um, you know, one of the, I'm, I'm going to use a cliche. I'm not a biggest fan of cliches, but this one I think holds true, but your net worth is in your network. Right. And so speaking has helped me like expand my network way beyond. Right. I guarantee you, I know somebody who knows somebody. Right. And so I think we have to look at speaking as a way to expand your network, expanding your network, expand your net worth, which means you have people that you can go to as you're building your business, you're launching a new product, right? Like having those conversations. That's what I've been doing. Um, I say, you know, this month uh, over, you know, over the last month, I've been tapping that network from me speaking, my speaking engagements, my network. Hey, I've got this thing. I want to talk to you about it. And because they've heard me speak, they know I'm legit. Mm -hmm. Right. And then now they're like, yeah, actually, I trust you with my audience. I'll invite you in. And that's what I've been doing. And so I, that's where it is translated for me. Huge. I love that you said that, because so often I think we think that these book, speaker bookers, producers, hosts, they're concerned about the budget. Right. We mm -hmm. think that that's what they're concerned with. No, they're <laughs> concerned about their job. They yeah. want to know that you are a sure thing. They're going to put yep. you on their, their stage. They're vouching for you that they're not going to lose their job. Because Correct. You're <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So it's such an important distinct distinction. I love that you brought that up. Okay. So before we start winding down, I would really love there. I know that there's my listeners are high achievers. Many of them mm -hmm. are CEOs. And I know that there are some of them out there that would love to bring your message in. Yep. Speaking of speaking, <laughs> so how do people find you? What, yeah. what are, what are the ways? Uh, the easiest way, LatoyaCollinsJones.com. I have a, I have a section specifically there. Um, if you have inquiries about speaking, just hit the contact button, let, let you know that you're interested in speaking and then we'll, we'll be able to reach out. Um, that's the easiest way, uh, is just go to my website, which is my name, um, and, and go from there. And I'd be, I'd be honored, uh, to come chat, uh, with, nice. with you and your team and your leaders. That's like probably, that's like my favorite thing to do for sure. Yeah. Well, you're, you're pretty <laughs> darn good at it. So outside of speaking, what do you mm -hmm. offer? Um, outside of speaking right now, actually, I'm launching. I'm super excited. Um, probably by the time you guys hear this, it'll be closed. But I do offer a leadership masterclass. Um, so I'm super excited about this. Um, we're launching beta. Um, and then in the fall, I'll be launching it um, with some hopefully with some corporations as well as uh, individuals through this masterclass, 12 weeks. Um, what I like to say particularly about it's called Ignite Leadership Masterclass. Um, with the Ignite Leadership Masterclass, there, there's something that happens is the goal is to take people from leadership theory to teaching them how to win practical day to day. Um, I love like, listen, I love John C. Maxwell. I love all like I love all these leader guys. They're amazing. Read their books. Huge fans. How do you win day to day when it comes to culture, which I talk about when it comes to culture, rent is due every day. Mm. And if you do not know how to do that and make time for it, how you build a high-performing team, you've got to learn how to win in the trenches. And that's really what this masterclass is. It's 12 weeks. It's a grind. Like, it's three months. And we are going to go through. We go through and talk um, through each one of these principles, really about priority, change management, being efficiency, setting up efficiencies. Um, we talk really about building high-performing culture, like the whole nine, right? So we go through all of that, plus group coaching. Um, 
And so I have this and then I'm going to be rolling that out like officially, officially um, here shortly. But the other piece is the Ablaze coaching program, which I'm excited that I'm launching. And that's one to one coaching. So if you have leaders or group coaching and you say, hey, actually, I've got three leaders, I want you to group coach. Uh, And so Ablaze coaching program really is geared towards that, which is we're getting together, we're talking, we're troubleshooting, figuring things out, asking questions um, one-to-one. And so those are, those are my two, my two big babies right now, uh, where I spend most of my time outside of speaking. So if we go to Latoya Collins Jones, can we see what the next thing is that's coming up? Are you just, is that where I am? I am headed that way. Yes. (laughs) And so like it is, um, birthing a, a masterclass has probably been one of the hardest uh, ventures, right? Because typically when you're speaking, you come in and you go into your little treasure chest and you just pluck out your one little thing uh, that you're figuring out. But, you know, when you're when you're doing a masterclass, you've got to figure out, okay, which babies make it, <laughs> which is very hard. Uh, like, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, I could take one of y'all on the trip and we come back and you go in the box. But now I've got to be very selective. Um, and so, yes, you can go to the site. Um, as I'm updating, uh, you'll be able to see like, Hey, there's coaching. If you want to click in, you can click coaching and click in and it'll ask you for information. You fill it out and then it'll come, it'll come to my team and, uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So who's a typical person who, who you have in this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so one-to-one coaching, I've got a few right now who are first time leaders, which is fun. Um, that, that, that's probably the group that I really love to talk with. Um, but I have a few who are first time leaders and then I have some who are a little bit, I say more seasoned is the word I like to say a little bit more seasoned in their tenure, but really looking to understand multi-generational leadership, hybrid leadership, um, D and I kind of is, is, is woven in there a little bit if needed, um, building culture. So there's kind of those two main buckets of, of who I coach, um, but that, that kind of hopefully helps, um, aim it. But I, here's what I'll say. Um, if you're a leader and you're looking to level up and you want to win day to day, then that's when you holler at me. Go. Yeah. Go, go to LaToya Collins Jones. <laughs> All right, LaToya. So as we close up, mm-hmm. you know that this show is called Speak Pact. Yep. And it's all about challenging each other to really get our voices out there mm-hmm. and to not be hidden. Right. Yes. So what Ooh. is your pact that you'd like to put forward? What, what, what would you like to challenge our audience with? If I had to challenge you all with one thing, I want you to be passionate about finding the one. Find the one, find the one person that you know that you can impact, whether that's, you know, an organization, whether that's, you know, somebody in your immediate circle, your church, your community, find the one. Because I think the more that we recognize that it's not about us, that we are here in service of others as speakers, then that is really what multiplies and that really helps the multitude. And so do not shirk at small beginnings. Do not shirk at uh, small things. It's the goal is to to be and find um, the one and keep going. And actually, if it's okay, I want to end with this quote because yeah. I've been on this quote for a minute here this past week. Um, but Martin Luther King says that if you can't fly, then run. If you Ooh. can't run, then walk. Ooh. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Have to keep moving forward. Okay, okay. say it again, and I'm going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so Martin Luther King says, 
If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Mm. So good. Yep. No, no, no other option. And no other find option. the one that you are doing what you're doing. If you, if you do what you do, this is I'm translating. No, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I love <laughs> if you, it. If you do what you do in service, yep. then you have power. Then yep. you have stamina and longevity. Yep. Find the one. So, okay, I take your challenge because that's a that's a good one. Love it. It is. It is. I love it. And can I tell you just really quick before we go, how do you yeah. know you found the one? How you're do you done- know you found the one? Okay, how do you know? Yep. If you're done speaking and you have one person, not a long line behind you, one person who comes up to you and says, I needed that, then you've done your job. Mm. You don't need 50. One. And so that's how you know you've done your job. Amen to that. Love it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. You have so thank many you for having here. me. I'm going to re-listen to this episode. This was jam-packed. Oh, I'd love to have you. you back at some point, Latoya. I'd love to be back. I'd love to be back. We can talk about all the things. All the things. <laughs> All right. Ciao, ciao for now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Speak Packed podcast. To become a recommended speaker of Antoniet's WPC Speaker Agency, or you are a host or planner looking for a dynamic expert in optimized performance, Antoniet would like to personally meet with you. Secure a time with her at speakerbooker.com. Again, that is speakerbooker.com. It all begins with a vision, a voice, and a pact to impact. Join the Speak Pact movement by joining our new private Facebook group at the link in our show notes. Find us on nearly every social media platform at One Antoniet. That's number one. A-N-T-O-N-I-E-T-T-E, or simply hashtag SpeakPact.